You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks. Want to let you know a few things up front. First, if it's your first time here, we are thrilled to have you no matter what walk of life you are from. And want to let you know that Modern Day Debate is a neutral platform where we strive to host debates on science, politics, and religion on a neutral platform. So, Want to let you know a few things regarding the channel as well. If you are like us, if you're sick in the head and you like juicy, controversial debates, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have many more juicy debates coming up. For example, you'll see at the bottom right of your screen, we are pumped, you guys. Whew. January 8th is coming so fast. I want to do a quick little mention about this. If you have not heard about it somehow, if you've been in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears, want to let you know we are pumped for our Kickstarter that we are currently running, and you can see the progress of on the far right of your screen. In particular, the reason we are having this Kickstarter is because we're trying to have new guests, and a lot of these new guests have, oftentimes they have honorariums that we will be sending to these guests in order, you could say, in order to kind of help spread the risk because it's one thing for me to risk like, oh, okay, we can risk like, let's say $500, like we'll probably make up for it in like super chats or ads and if we don't, other debates will help make up for it. But in some cases, these honorariums are a lot bigger and that's something that I can't quite risk. That is why for only $3, folks, the price of a cup of coffee. You can watch Dr. Michael Shermer, New York Times bestseller, been a guest on the Joe Rogan Experience as well as, I mean, the guy is, he's got tons of different credentials and different things that he's done. He will be debating IP on whether or not Christianity is dangerous to society. So want to say that Kickstarter link is in the description, folks. Feel free at any time. 
you only got, I think it's seven days, as you, you see at the bottom right of your screen, to sign up for that Kickstarter, to watch it live, and just make it happen all together. Otherwise, if we don't get enough Kickstarter support, we aren't actually able to have the event at all. So we do need to reach, reach that goal that is shown at the top right of your screen. And with that, want to mention a couple of other things we're really excited about. One, the last time we tried to have this debate, I want you all to know it was 100% my fault that we had the technical errors that we did. And I'm so sorry about that, especially to Carissa, because she set this debate up. It was her great idea. And want to say huge thanks to Carissa for her patience. She was, she's out tonight. She's trying to catch up on sleep, among other things. But want to say Carissa does a fabulous job, seriously, like tremendous job. That uh, kind of those bloopers last time were 100% me. So thanks for your patience. And last thing is want to say huge thank you in addition to saying thank you to Carissa to Dave Langer who helped us recently get Twitch affiliate status. So really exciting folks. If you happen to be on Twitch folks, want to let you know if you get a if you have Amazon Prime, you have a free Twitch subscription and then hey, if you want, you can use it for modern day debate now because we are now an affiliate and can now have subscribers. So really cool. And I want to say again, thanks to Dave Langer as well as well as Lily Aja and many others who helped us kind of learn the ropes regarding Twitch. So we're going to introduce our speakers. We're thrilled to have these guys. Thanks for your patience through all that channel housekeeping stuff. We are very excited to have these guys here. It's going to be epic, folks. want to remind you, all of their links are in the description. We are going to start going left to right on your screen. So we'll start with Jangles. First thing, thanks so much for coming back on, Jangles. It's a true pleasure to have you back on. And what can people expect to find at your link? Thanks for having me back on, James. So hello, everyone. My name is Justin. I, uh, for some reason, go by Jangles on the internet. Uh, you can, so I have a YouTube channel called Jangles Science Lad. I've done several debates. A couple of them are on this channel right here and also do lots of YouTube videos with academic citations out the wazoo. So again, YouTube at Jangles Science Lad. And you can follow me on Twitter at SJW Debates. Thanks so much. Glad to have you back. And Jay Stenstrom, stoked to have you with us again. Thanks so much for being with us. And if you want to let people know what people can expect to find at your link, thanks so much. We uh, have a little bit of a connection issue. There might be a little bit of buffering, folks. This is unusual. Give me one sec. I just want to make sure that you're able to uh, share about your link. It, it started right after jangles okay i think we're in the clear now sorry about that once in a once in a while that kind of surprises me but we are back in the green and so jay stenstrom thrilled to have you here if you'd like to share what people can find at your link thanks so much and the floor is all yours hi so i'm jordan um this is actually the first time i've done uh, anything like this in any kind of a, a public capacity i did a debate in high school um this is very very different from what i'm used to um, if you were to follow my Twitter link at the J Stenstrom, I don't post very often, um, but every once in a while I might make some quick remark about something that came through my feed, and usually there's a lot of retweeting memes. Oh, that, I didn't know that. I thought we hosted you before. I thought that Carissa once hosted you before. Did you guys, this is your first time? Yeah, no, this is the first time I've done any kind of a, a public debate or even really done anything like this. Oh, well, th well, thanks. We're so glad you're here. I'm embarrassed I was wrong about that. And thrilled to have you here for the first time, so thanks so much. And distributist, pumped to have you here. If you can let people 
know what they can expect to find in your link in the description. We'd love to hear it, and thanks for being here. Sure. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called The Distributist, and I largely make video essays about, uh, I would say, sort of neo-reactionary ideas intermixed with uh, some other thoughts I have about modern culture and the evolution of history. And uh, yeah, longer video essays, and sometimes I do debates, which is what I'm doing tonight. Absolutely. It's thrilled to have you back. And A Straight Lattes. Am I pronouncing it right? Please let me know. Thanks so much for being here. And if you'd like to share what people can expect to find at your link, please do. Sure thing. Uh, I'm Andrew Stratalities, and you will find at my Twitter link musings on culture, science, uh, mathematics, philosophy, and religion. Uh, I'm sort of in the same social network as Dave the Distributist. I'm a traditional Anglican um, and consider myself an American Tory politically. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And with that, we will jump into our opening statements. Now, this is flexible. So, guys, if you guys had decided anything outside of the uh, conversation that we had on Twitter today in terms of who goes first, usually the affirmative would be going first, which is distributist and a straight, a straight, Andrew. And in this case, though, if you guys want to change it up, you can. And that's just a flexible five to ten minute opening statement, as much as 15 minutes if you guys want, where you can split it between yourselves. And who would like to go first? Well, I can I can kind of go first. I'm a little bit rambly because I don't pre-prepare these things, but <laughs> no if, if Andrew would like to let me go first, or does he, do you want to go first, Andrew? Uh, dealer's choice. Dave, go ahead. Okay, great. So our resolution today is, should the government basically regulate large social media corporations? Um, and I, I'm really, I guess, again, once again, I, I suspect that we're going to have some argument over the resolution, but I'm going to take this on its face. Uh, the problem is I don't really see how we can't at some point need this kind of regulation. Unless you're a complete anarcho-capitalist, which I'm fairly sure none of the people on the opposite side of this debate are, you have to. You are probably aware that monopoly power and, and perverse monopolies with with perverse incentives involved are, are a natural function of any market economy. Even if you do believe in market economies, which you know, I, and I'm not so sure about that. Uh, and what we're entering into right now, the environment we're entering into after one year of this COVID virus, is an environment where the vast majority of communications go through three, four social media providers. I work an ordinary job and it all goes through Zoom. All communications that has to do with media go through Twitter and, and Facebook. And even the, even the classical publications like the New York Post, they have to use Twitter in order to get any kind of cloud or coverage. Uh, so, so what we have is we have a, a, a natural or unnatural monopoly in the case of this COVID handing unprecedented amount of media control over to these social media corporations. And inside this monopoly power, which would be a problem in and of itself, these corporations are essentially trying to have it both ways. They are giving themselves the ability to completely edit out opinions that they don't like. And that, that, then at the same time, they want to be covered from any kind of liability by the idea that they are simply platforms and not publishers. So they want to act both as publishers one moment and then platforms in, in, the, very, in the very next. 
And this, quite frankly, is totally insane. It's the same formula that we've seen a thousand times before from corporate power, essentially private profit and public liability. Again, I know my opponents aren't anarcho-capitalists. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but this is usually considered a problem in most other contexts. Uh, I know this is the example we started off with last time, but last time, a sort of key example of this was the, the censoring of the New York Post's coverage of the of, of Hunter Biden's email leaks. Now, uh, New York Post is a classic media, it's a classic publisher. Uh, they decided to publish a story about leaks of emails that came from a Hunter Biden la laptop that showed potentially illegal behavior on the part of a government, a government actor. So what we have is potentially illegal government abuse. And Twitter decided that they just wouldn't cover that they essentially muted the New York Post from the most prominent public platform ahead of one of the most important elections or one of the biggest elections that we've had in recent memories. And they did this basically on the whim of their managerial staff, probably, and this is speculation on my part, because they saw the release of those emails to be detrimental to their profit bottom line. Now, the excuse given, and here I'm incorporating some knowledge that was provided last time, the excuse given were, oh, oh, these emails were hacked. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's a cover your ass excuse. Uh, by hacked, all they mean is illegitimately obtained. And if this was the first time, if we were born yesterday, this might seem kind of logical in isolation. The problem is, is that we've had hacked, we've had hacked sources uh, be part of ordinary journalism since the beginning of modern journalism. Uh, very famously, people have heard about the Pentagon Papers. These were sort of the bombshell papers that came out that exposed the Nixon and LBJ administration's abuses in Vietnam. They were borderline illegal. And when they were released by the New York Times, I believe, the guy who leaked them, Ellsworth, was under investigation for espionage, which was dismissed on a technicality because of Watergate a few years later. This was an enorm This would be considered a hack before there were computers. And, and, uh, and it was a bombshell uh, for the country. It exposed potentially illegal behavior. And, uh, and it really, and, and this was considered for a very, very long time to be the height of professional journalism. At this stage, this future that we're staring down, social media could just have prevented that story from ever being published. It could have covered the government's ass. It could have covered LBJ's ass on this. And they could just, oh, well, they're illegally obtained. And then the American people would never have that information. What really our opponents seem to be proposing is it's almost kind of strange. They seem to want to say that for reasons that I can only chalk up to tactical anarcho-capitalism, uh, that, that any kind of protection we have on, on monopoly has to, has to be blown up. Uh, in addition to that, our understanding of the responsibility for publishers and the responsibility to communicate potentially illegal activity to American people has to be destroyed. Uh, and, and for what reason? Uh, because my free market? Again, it makes absolutely no sense to me. If we want to have any kind of, 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 of understanding that there is, there is some kind of responsibility of these platforms, uh, we have to regulate at some stage because these, these platforms are monopolies. They're acting like monopolies and they're fundamentally lying to the American people about what role they play. Now, I want to end this, my talk with sort of an analogy here. So imagine this wasn't 2020, but 1920. 
And imagine as in 1920, there were many monopolies in, in, both, like, in both radio and in railroads. Imagine if the railroad and te telegraph and radio monopolies got together one day and they decided to just get rid of incriminating evidence that came out about politicians that they liked. And so the New York Times could publish whatever they wanted to, but then the monopolists would just nix that. It would never go out on the radio. It would never go out on broadsheet because they relied the distribution mechanisms would be nixed. Everyone would recognize that as an, both an abusive monopoly and also corporate interference with a, a, a quote unquote democratic decision-making process. Uh, but somehow the second these things go digital, our, our brains fall out of our heads. And what was obviously abusive in one era uh, becomes sort of this, this free speech excuse, which is every time I've seen it employed, when you dig right down to it, is an excuse that only a lawyer could possibly believe if he's being paid to believe it. Uh, so, you know, I look forward to discussing this, but, but I'm generally flabbergasted how there could be a pushback on, on the reasonable idea of regulating a monopoly that is demonstrably interfering with an electoral process. You bet, thanks so I, much. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I just have a few points that I'd like to underline that, that Dave uh, sort of implicitly discussed. Um, one is basically in a democratic republic like the United States, the assumption is that the way things function is that the sovereignty and responsibility of finding out the truth of things is diffused through all of society. And social media has a significant, important role to play in enabling this. And as such, uh, that's why it's important that they're they don't censor things to prevent society to come to understanding of truth of things, be it about politicians or policies or the past or the future. And um, fundamentally, that's the issue is that if the government doesn't cause that to occur, then we are implicitly giving that responsibility of determining what the truth is to some other institution besides society at large. And I mean, there are societies that are set up this way, but that's not how we're supposed to be set up. Um, and, and that's fundamentally what, what this is about, is to provide that functioning. I don't really trust companies to be rational, even when they are trying to work in their profit interest, because companies are run by people, and people have social pressure and hidden agendas. And it, there's no real strong incentive for social media to publish true information that is damaging to their managers' hidden agendas. Um, and that's why we need some sort of regulation in it, just to, to you know, make sure that it's a fair game, right? Just the same way that we uh, regulate things like air pollution uh, or things of that sort. Um, and, and this was supposed to be the deal of two, uh, section 230, which is that uh, in exchange for them giving up editorial control and just being like a communication device, that they wouldn't be responsible for what people said because they were providing a communication medium as opposed to something like the New York Times, which curates uh, information. Um, it, 
so that that's that's what I'm going to end it on is fundamentally this is about enabling truth to be found through our social processes. Uh, these companies take a very important part in that and they are using their power to uh, supplant the, the rightful sovereignty of society at large to discover the truth of things. Thanks so much. Amazing! I forgot to mention, by the way, we are really excited that we also just got our podcast on Audible and Amazon Music. So, one last channel housekeeping things. One also reminds you, all of our guests are linked in the description. That includes Jangles, Jordan, Distributist, and Andrew. So, with that, we'll kick it over to Jangles and Jordan. Thanks so much, gentlemen, for being here, and the floor is all yours. Excellent. Alright, so I think Dave was definitely right. Uh, we're going to have to do some communication to figure out like what exactly we're going over. I mean, obviously we are not saying that there should be no regulation whatsoever. It's just, uh, should the government be able to step in and like prevent censorship by big tech? So we'll get into that, I'm sure. So for, for what it's worth, I think, no, the government should not be able to force platforms to host content they do not want to host. Uh, I do not like the idea of unelected billionaires deciding what parts of my speech are not fit for public consumption. But I like the idea of a farcical and contradictory politically neutral form of content moderation being enforced by the government a whole lot less. Yes, platforms often enforce their TOS inconsistently and without much transparency. Yes, platforms have an enormous reach in today's world and hold much sway over the public conversation. And yes, platforms should be held at least partially responsible for actions made possible by their avenue of communications. But these problems are made worse, not better, by the government stepping in to prevent these private platforms from cracking down on the content they allow. Much of the censorship these platforms are engaging in has to do with the rampant spread of misinformation. As recent events have shown, or, or really the entirety of political history has shown, but recent events should jump out at you, what politicians deem true is very often synonymous with what is politically convenient. To take one such recent example, Senator Josh Hawley said that he will object to the certification of electoral college results despite a complete lack of evidence of any sort of widespread voter fraud. Senator Hawley was also behind the most extreme conservative push to limit the protections of platforms under Section 230 to those that operate without political bias. Ask yourself if you want people like Senator Hawley, someone very willing to endorse outright falsehoods and subvert the democratic will of the American people, to be determining what is and is not politically biased. Put another way, do you want the government to force platforms to allow the spread of politically convenient lies in order to benefit Washington bureaucrats, regardless of your political identity? To say uh, to address something that Dave said, uh, one of the reasons that Section 230 was implemented was based on a case called, let's see, Stratton. I can't read my own handwriting. Basically, Stratton v. Prodigy. So back in 1994, uh, this person on a message board, I guess the closest thing to a uh, modern equivalent of Twitter, said some defamatory things accusing this uh, like investment banking firm of fraud. And then the investment banking firm sued that person for defamation and also sued the platform. Now, it turns out that person was right. That uh, this investment banking firm was engaging in a lot of fraud. They lost their license like a, a year after this was like uh, after this case was settled. I'm not sure that what you're proposing would limit these things because now if you hold a, a platform uh, liable to things, they're going to crack down way more on what is allowed to be put on their uh, put on their platform. Uh, do you really want the government to be able to? Uh, do you really want companies to be able to sue for defamation for potentially like? Uh, damaging things they say about the company to address something that um, andrew said 
yeah, I agree. It is not a perfect system whatsoever. Uh, the truth is is a very uh, a touchy subject, but I also don't think that allowing the rampant spread of misinformation of conspiracy theories of baseless claims of things like voter fraud that it could be you know potentially lead to damaging and societally like uh, societally damaging consequences. I'm not sure that that is going to help things. And so, yeah, I don't have a perfect answer to this, and we'll we'll do some discussion on it. But I don't just allowing this uh, free form spread of misinformation. I don't think is a good thing. So, thanks so much. Floor is yours, Jordan. All right. So, yeah, I don't have any kind of a a formally written out opening statement here, but I did take some notes over the last three speeches, and there's just a handful of things that I want to cover. Um, so honestly, let's just, let's just get into the meat of it here. Um, I completely understand where both Dave and Andrew are coming from on this issue. Um, as somebody who grew up incredibly conservative, as somebody who grew up believing in a lot of the, the values that not necessarily they espouse, but would, would somewhat align with them on this issue. I, I understand why there's a lot of frustration when it comes to things like big tech and social media censorship, especially when it's coming out of these, these highly liberalized areas in Silicon Valley. Um, and, and I'm not going to be deaf to, to the concerns that are brought up there, but I don't think a couple of things. First off, I don't think that the way that regulation would be implemented on an on the ground level would necessarily solve a lot of the problems that um, the distributist and Andrew are talking about. Um, I actually think that it would make a lot of these problems, particularly the problem of monopoly power, a lot worse. So I'm going to probably wrap with monopoly power because it's one of the things that I think I think is a key it's a it's an interesting topic and it's something that could really carry the rest of this discussion if we if we let it have its day in the sun but there are some other things that are uh, i think a little bit more prescient to to the issue at hand um so first off there was a there was a lot of talk that was brought up around uh the story about the new york post being censored uh on twitter's platform due to a hack materials policy um there's a lot of sub points under this but First, I just want to clarify um, in our, our pre-tape, or, or well, not really pre-tape, in our, in our first attempt at having this debate, I was actually the one who started talking to Dave a little bit on the New York Post case. And I just want to kind of highlight for people where I got that information from. This wasn't some like BS, like legalese argument. Um, I actually have good reason to believe that Jack Dorsey was telling the truth when it comes to the New York Post case, uh, primarily because he actually said uh, that um, the hack materials point uh, was primarily why the New York Post had its uh, content removed in front of Congress under oath. And now I understand that might just be some you know, limited cop out, but the other thing that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about whether or not Twitter's being a good faith actor here is the New York Post actually had the complete ability to put this story back out after having their account suspended. Uh, and the original decision that Twitter made was undone within 24 hours after they realized that they'd made a mistake on this story. So I know it doesn't actually, and it doesn't at all even excuse Twitter for, you know, removing the publication of the New York Post. But we can't just throw this out and say, well, this was just some like trying to narrow around because we're trying to help Biden. So Dave also talked about this idea of um, the Pentagon Papers. 
um, which I, I think the way that he talked about it was was rather interesting. And there's a lot that can be delved into here. I understand the significance of the Pentagon Papers. I understand what it meant for free speech in general. But we need to we need to consider something here. The Pentagon Papers were published by a news organization. Um, I lost my train of thought there. Let's, uh, let's wind back to what I was going to say. One of the things with the New York Post story that I think gets really overlooked and uh, neglected, especially when we talk about the ubiquity of things like social media, just because Facebook uh, and Twitter might have taken issue with the New York Post reporting doesn't mean that this is something that was censored off of the face of the earth. And, and I think this actually comes down to the crux of the argument that we need to be making when it comes to things like social media in the first place. Social media, yes, does have a lot of power, but in no way, shape or form are they monopolies, especially when it comes to the broad reach of the internet. First off, the New York Post, when they posted their story to Twitter, we're linking back to the New York Post's own website. That's a way that they have an ability to speak and a way that they have an ability to keep their foot in the door and be a part of the conversation, right? We're not talking about the idea of, you know, for instance, Twitter is not like Spectrum. Twitter didn't go, hey, I don't agree with what you're saying about um, Joe Biden. Therefore, we're just going to get rid of everything that you have up to this point, And we're just not going to let this story get out. Um, one of the other big things that needs to be talked about is this idea of publisher versus platform. And it gets brought up a lot in a lot of conservative circles, but it's something that really needs to be hammered in if we're going to get anywhere here. Um, there's this there's this idea that floats around in a lot of conservative circles that when just because Twitter, Facebook, and all of these other entities decide that they're going to be removing content every once in a while that violates its terms of service, that it suddenly becomes some sort of a publisher, which has both been debunked inside of the uh, the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which ended up dealing with this case when Prager University sued YouTube for shadow banning some of its content. But the other place where this was dealt with is honestly inside of the legislation that created Section 230 in the first place. I think that we need to realize that when the internet was being created, it put a lot of these platforms into really tricky positions, which is why Section 230 exists in the first place. If you're a company like Twitter or Facebook, um, or even back in the day, something like AOL or an email provider, the, the general understanding was if you were hosting this platform, we didn't actually know what to do with you legally, right? There was this big question of whether or not you would even have the ability to moderate anything to begin with. Because the more that you knowingly knew of illegal activity, the more likely it was that you could potentially be held culpable for any of it existing on your platform. So when Section 230 came into the mix, it was actually to allow the expansion of speech and actually to, to allow these platforms to take things off that the government had already deemed illegal and weren't allowed to be out inside of the open. Um, the last thing that I kind of want to talk about is um, monopoly power because this, this really is kind of the, the crux of everything that we have inside of this conversation. But I, I understand why it's frustrating to deal with platforms like Facebook and platforms like Twitter, but I don't see how legislating them to, to behave in a free and open manner necessarily solves any of the problems that we have up until now. Um, primarily due to the fact that any kind of a regulation that you put on these giant monolithic companies that have the resources to deal with anything coming down the 
pike actually is more likely to cut down on competition and is more likely to cause other entities to not be able to enter the space. There have been some great examples of this if you want to go look into any of the regulation around um, particularly FOSTA and what that did to a lot of um, particularly places like Tumblr. Um, but sadly, I didn't tag any of that here. Uh, this was a little bit more rambly than I would have liked, but I think I can see the floor with that. Do you mind if I go next? Thanks so much. We can jump right into open conversation. And so thanks so much. And also thanks so much to those of you. We have jumped from 70% to 77% on the meter on your right for the Kickstarter for January 8th's debate. And so thank you so much to those of you who have pledged during the debate. Really appreciate it. And we'll jump right into that open conversation. The floor is all yours, guys. Okay. Um, so one thing that Jangles brought up is that he doesn't trust the government to determine what is true and false. And I agree. I do not trust the government to determine what is true and false. Uh, this is actually a very unique and asymmetrical situation because preventing censorship doesn't actually need to determine whether something is true or false. Uh, what we're actually doing is making that the responsibility of the consumer or the reader to determine what is true and what is false. Um, Jangles is concerned about misinformation, but I am actually ironically going to do the classic liberal view on this and say that the best cure for misinformation is having a free flow of information that shows how it is wrong. Um, and this ties in a little bit about what Jordan was talking about with how Twitter isn't really censoring because uh, they have like community guidelines and, and it's not really a, 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 um, a monopoly because other things exist. And that th there are a couple things here. One is even if it isn't a monopoly, uh, basically it's Pareto distributed, which means that these companies have significantly more power than, than other things, right? Uh, free markets work best when there are a large number of relatively same-sized actors giving fungible things. But uh, social media is very distinct from that because it actually has a network effect into it, right? I can't take my Twitter followers and take them to Facebook very easily or, or to, to things like that. So even if they're not a classical monopoly, they have significantly more power and influence than, than previously. Um, the, the other thing is there's a difference between uh, con uh, regulating content and form of information. So a great historical example of this is blasphemy, blasphemy laws, right? Uh, uh, to blaspheme is to basically desecrate something holy with speech. Um, but blasphemy laws did not actually cover uh, reasonable and cogent critiques of religion. And so a compromise that I would be willing to accept, and I think it would actually be sort of an ideal, is that let's say Facebook and Twitter had rules about what civic discourse was and politeness and, and things like that. But that doesn't include the content, it just includes how you say it. Uh, if that was implemented and done in an even-handed way, I think that would work really well. Um, and I think that can be implemented 
uh, uh, without doing things like causing regular regulatory capture. Um, having a transparent and audible system of determining whether uh, content meets uh, standards for uh, civility is something that could easily be done uh, to uh, for any company that has that type of community guideline. Um, we can also implement other things that would require a more open social media world, like requiring all social media to publish their protocols. So uh, it's not something that necessarily can, uh, will stifle competition. Um, and even if it did, there are ways to remediate that. Uh, the final point that I want to end on is attempts to reduce disinformation by eliminating people's access to it, tend to backfire. So a great example of this is the Roman Catholic Church used to have something called the index, which was an index of books that contained heresies that no one could read. And what tended to happen in the 20th century and even the 19th century is the it sort of got this forbidden fruit type thing. Where, where people were actually more interested in reading books on the index because uh, the Roman Catholic Church had had banned them. And this is the actually even happening with Twitter with their information uh, um, warnings. And, and this is the thing is we don't necessarily trust any institutions to be the arbiters of truth and falsehood. And our cultural habit, which I think we should preserve, is to give that to the individual and to society as a whole. Um, I'm really curious, especially with recent events, do you think that if we offer that, like the arbitration of truth uh, to society as a whole and the individual, do you think that a random nobody on the street should have as much say in what is medically true as a doctor? Sorry, especially I don't... I don't understand the question. Uh, if society, if it is up to society to determine what is and is not true, does this mean that if enough people think that, for example, masks don't work or that COVID can be, uh, COVID isn't a big deal, um, that those people get to decide what is true as much as medical experts? Because that's essentially what you're proposing here. Uh, I'm sorry, how, how am I proposing that? Because you're saying that the arbitration of truth should be left up to society. So, for example, the... Uh, uh, the accusation of widespread voter fraud, to bring back to a previous example, this is unsubstantiated. And yet, a lot of people seem to believe it anyway, so much so that at least one senator has proposed that we should overturn the democratically elected uh, democratic process in order to, you know, endorse it. Uh, jangles, jangles. Like, but this, how, how does this follow, right? Because we're saying the only thing that Andrew proposed was a set of common sense neutral regulations about the kinds of things that could be taken off the platform. Uh, the, the, the mainstream media with the New York Times and CNN pursued for two years a Russia collusion investigation that yielded absolutely no results. If the social media had quashed that, I mean, that seems to me to be, that would be a corporate intrusion, even if the claims about Russian collusion had no supporting evidence against them. Hey, uh, quick question. How, how would we how define this possibly? I mean, essentially, I'm not done. Yeah, the two options, the government regulates it, which seems reasonable, although it creates a backup question, right? The government defines truth, or we have sort of an uh, uh, open market on truth, right? Where, where a lot of people can discuss it. 
But what you're proposing is a weird middle ground where a corporate monopoly gets to determine what's truth and their moderation team gets to determine what's truth. Under no possible way of, of assessing the facts, can I make that even make sense? I mean, what you're and, I mean, oh, wait, wait. I, I'm, I'm curious of those two other options of the two extremes, you're saying somewhere in the middle, the government regulates truth versus the open market of truth, which are, which yeah. one of those are you endorsing? Well, we're saying is well, we're saying and Andrew, I, I'm glad Andrew outlined this, we're saying that we could have some very neutral regulations and he proposed two of them. The first regulation he proposed, and I apologize if I'm misstating this, Andrew, was to have a sort of a, a, a regulation allowing allow these systems to make a regulation on how this was expressed, AKA the difference between critique and blasphemy. And, and this would allow them to get rid of things like slurs and uh, racial slurs and, and profanity and pornography, uh, but, but it would keep the information intact. The other thing was an open protocol regulation, right? Which is uh, an open protocol regulation is completely neutral because it doesn't even touch the problem of, of um, of, of, of the content of speech, but it allows multiple different actors to, to essentially uh, demonopolize these large industries. Uh, in order for what we are seem to be proposing is that the Facebook and Twitter moderation teams are the new arbiters of truth, which are completely privately owned. I, I just feel like I'm hearing tactical anarchism here. Tactical okay. anarcho-capitalism. Can I, can I ask you a couple of quick, just back-to-back -back questions? Sure. All right, so so as much as we're going to keep this on the the broader philosophical point of what it is that um, we need to be doing as far as regulation is concerned, we are talking about the current status quo when we're making those decisions, right? I don't understand the nature of that question. So I, so we're talking about, about we're talking about whether or not government in general should be regulating Twitter and Facebook, but are we talking about that in the current status quo? So are we talking about we like propose two regulations? Well, Andrew proposed two regulations. I'm sure I could come up with other regulations that I would like, but there are two regulations that could be introduced to the status quo that would make the situation much better. Okay, so one, can you name one time anybody's been banned off of Facebook or Twitter outside of violating their terms of service? The terms of service are flexible. They can say that they violated the terms of service without, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like there, I believe Stefan, wasn't Stefan Molyneux banned off of Twitter and they didn't give him any response about what the violation of terms of service was? Yeah, uh, there are also lots of examples of people saying race hatred things about whites, um, but the same exact phrases against yeah, like Jews or blacks don't, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so what, 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 what did, like, com com compared Sarah Zhang to Jared Taylor, right? What did Jared Taylor say that got him banned that Sarah Zhang didn't say? I'm curious. Do you think that the government should step in and say that no Twitter, you cannot ban Stefan Molyneux or Jared Taylor from this platform? I I'm saying that Twitter, in order to be considered a platform, has to have formalized rules that when they interfere, I think, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for Andrew here. My preferred regulation is the regulation Andrew mentioned about open protocol. That's the best one. But failing that, if we have to be more specific, what I would require is that I would require a formal, uh, for these monopoly corporations that have 80, 90% of the market share in terms of Twitter and Facebook between them, I would require that they actually have a legally binding terms of service that could go under review. And if, and if they do not apply consistently, then we just yank their platform status, which will immediately make them go into business. 
Yeah, and this, we'll and this, uh, and this consistently applied will be determined by the government. So yes. we've essentially you've essentially kicked the can down the road to people with guns. I'm sorry, are you a narco capitalist? Like you no, understand that we not. have regulation, okay? But you understand we have regulation. Like, no, but what he's doing is he's 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 I'm fighting very, against regulations. Look, he's like, very. Well, this, this is not you're not actually solving the problem. This critique you're making is just an argument against regulation altogether. So yeah. if I were to say, I were to say that like Dow Chemicals has to submit to the EPA to determine that it's 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 it, you know its pipes are clean, right? And, and Dow Chemicals has its own internal cleanliness regulations. And, and the app saying like you're just kicking the can down the road to the EPA. Well, I guess I am, right? But the whole idea of regulations is that the government is a different entity with different incentives than Dow Chemical Company is. The whole idea about having two regula a regulatory system on top of corporations is that the regulatory like system of government is. Let me. I mean, I don't know if you're getting this. The regulatory system of government has different incentives and is different a different party than the corporation it's regulating. Do you believe that there's a fundamental similarity between the EPA and the way that the EPA would regulate and the way that we'd be talking about free speech issues inside of the United States? I, I'm waiting for a difference. You have to show me a difference here. Like the, 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 question, the question is, there's always a relative standard about openness for, for platforms like Twitter and Facebook. There's also we, a relative standard of cleanliness. Right now, can, now, saying that the, the government regulation is kicking the can down the road is not an argument against uh, uh, social media regulation. It's just an argument against all regulation. Well, look, in this I have no well, idea where you're coming jingles, from with this. Jingles. Yeah, I have no idea where you're coming from this because in our conversations, like when we were trying to lead up to this, we agreed that no, like, of course the government can regulate these platforms insofar as like legality is concerned. No one here, and at least, at least of all us, and I feel like you're unintentionally strawmanning us, are saying that there should be no uh, government regulations of platforms whatsoever. But we're, what we're trying to get at, and what I think uh, we understood the debate to be, or at least I did, is that you think that platforms should not be able to censor someone based on views they don't like. I don't like that either, and that could absolutely come and bite me in the butt, but the difference is, okay, as so much as I don't like that platforms can censor me if they decided that they don't like my views, I, I like even less the notion that the government would be in charge of that decision. Okay, so so let's say that the, the Twitter just destroyed all progressive accounts on its service. Like, that wouldn't be a regulatable action? No, nope. They decided it to would, do that? No, we would have to hope that the public would uh, step in and like, no, we're not going to use this anymore. It's ineffective. So it's just a free market. Yeah, that's an extreme hypothetical, though. That's not anywhere yeah, close yeah, to no, what's I mean, happening it's, it's here. Not, it's, not a, it's not hypothetical. I mean, it is hypothetical. So, so you're, you're basically saying. It, it's entirely a hypothetical unless you're actually insinuating inside of this conversation that for some reason all of conservatism is being banned off of Twitter. Is it just me or is anyone else not hearing in I don't have them at all. A super robot. Distribute us. We can't. Uh, I, I hate to interrupt, but we can't hear you at all. People won't be able to hear you at all. Distribute us. Can you hear us? Or. <laughs> I don't think he can hear us either. Distribute us. I'm so sorry to interrupt. <laughs> okay. Um. I. I think. Uh. We'll. Uh. Oh, wait, did we just lose him? No, hold on a second. He is dropped. He'll, hopefully he'll be back in a moment, but uh, we'll give Andrew, if you'd like a chance to uh, jump in. This is a great opportunity. Sure.
so Jangles was talking about how, like, I seem to be implying, or to him, uh, it seemed like I was implying that uh, truth would become like a democracy if we gave it to society rather than to companies. Um, and basically, the, the, the point that I'll make to the, that, Jangles, is that... Um, the mechanisms for determining what truth are are discourse and hierarchies. And the way that social media ties into that is social media needs to be transparent to those. So that social media is itself not altering the structures that we have in society for determining what truth is. And that it's only supposed to lubricate and make things easier to communicate. And by uh, marking disinformation or, or things like that as the platform, they're, they're mixing these responsibilities in a way that is open to significant conflict of interest. It could be, but things like – so, for example, when we say that a dis, uh, claim about election fraud is disputed – that was considered censorship by a lot of people who apparently don't know what censorship means. But just make, something like that, that is provably true by any reasonable definition of truth. Well, the, that's the thing, though, is that's true of literally almost any claim of political import is that it, it, uh, there are conflicting views on it or de disputations about it. Right. And so that's the question is, who are we? Who gets to decide what institutions to trust? Is that an individual choice, or is that something that comes part and parcel of using a platform? I mean, this wouldn't interfere with what you're proposing, though, right? If if a social media company just says that claim that this claim is disputed, it's still left up to the individual as to who to trust. We haven't determined that Twitter is the arbiter of truth by putting that disclaimer on there. So it's just. Well, well, let's let's uh, look at it a little bit differently, right? What we're talking about was actual censorship, not just marquee things. If Twitter determines that it's in disinformation and takes it off the platform, then you're implicitly uh, uh, trusting Twitter for two things: you're tr uh, trusting it for providing the platform and for being the arbiter of truth. And that's the issue: is that these mechanisms they have for community guidelines that are attempting to create a, con a civic discourse are being abused to use, be used against views, not just the tone or cordiality of the, the, of the environment. I'm not going to sit here and defend Twitter and defend the way that Twitter tends to run its platform. I actually don't like a lot of their moderation decisions, but can you give me one example of that happening that we can actually pull from and kind of parse through to see if we actually agree or disagree on this? Uh, well, sure. Um, one Twitter account says it'll be fun to kill all white people. And another uh, Twitter account says it's fun to kill all black people. And the one that said, thing. yeah, and so the literally one... someone did this and demonstrated there was a different response from the Twitter moderation team. And the one that said, kill all white people was allowed. And the one that said, kill all black people got banned. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what happened. So yeah. I wouldn't defend that decision, but also like, Again, do you want the government stepping in to dictate what Twitter can cannot allow? 
Yes. Uh, uh, j- jingles, jingles. Like, haven't, hasn't, hasn't the government been enforcing racial fairness since the 60s? Yeah. It so, is, so, 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 no, so, no. so, how, how, how is this libertarian argument coming out of left field? Because it's like, not libertarian. Like, hate about... speech, yeah, there's nothing legal about it. Hate speech is not illegal in the United States. Uh, essentially, what you're saying is hate speech ought to be illegal. And no, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that if you have a hate speech law, you have to enforce it equally against blacks and whites. Okay, but Does we don't Twitter have make a hate speech law. Yeah, we okay. don't. I, 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 I meant euphemistically. I mean, hate speech regulation on your platform, you have to apply it equally. And you're saying we can't we can't force companies to treat races equally? No, we can I mean, definitely lobby the them to do years? this. We can definitely lobby them to do that. But again, legally, hate speech is legal in the United States. Is, is, is the Civil Rights Act forcing corporations to treat races equally? Is that lobbying them to treat races equally? Or is that actually a law? Because last time I checked that, it's an actual law. I'm sorry, is it is it or is it not illegal to say uh, I hate X group of people? Is it legal to say that? The answer if, to that if, in the United States, the answer to that question is yes. Hate speech is not what? illegal in the United States. So the, the entire point, getting back to this, is this is an example of Twitter engaging in not even-handed censorship, right? And and the question seems to be, or at least my understanding was, can the government regulate Twitter to force them to have consistent policies? It's and not I about think- whether or not they can, because obviously they can. It's the government. What we need to be talking about is whether or not they should. Why? Okay, so, so-, so why shouldn't they? I think there are plenty of reasons that they shouldn't. Primarily, I think that the biggest problem that we end up running into if we give government control over these platforms is the fact that now all of a sudden we have a system where the government gets to decide who does and doesn't get to stay on the platform. It's not like censorship goes away. We now just have legally codified reasons people can and can't be censored when these things get taken to court. Awesome. Great. It's an improvement. Everything is formalized and we know what the rules are. Okay, so what happens if you guys in particular were to lose a court case and now all of the social media platforms can just take you off? Does that actually solve the problem? Yes, it it does because the courts required to have a consistency, the terms of service are not. The terms of service can be rewritten and they are rewritten regularly. If you check your email, you'll have plenty of terms of service updates in your inbox from every social media platform you follow. If you allow So then why not go to a different platform? The courts cannot do that. The courts have to operate through the law, which has a series of regulations that move much slower and has a variety of oversight mechanisms to keep these things safely in place. Okay, but do you not understand that the biggest problem there is that when you lose at a governmental level, all of a sudden it's perfectly fine to absolutely excise somebody from society rather than the subjective opinions of Facebook, Twitter, or any of these entities on their own. Okay. But this is like saying that like, uh, what if the seatbelt fails type deal? You know, the, the, the idea is we're introducing a second level of protection right now. Twitter can just ban me for whatever reason it wants and change its terms of service retroactively. Yeah. Go to Facebook. As we have, as we have demonstrated several. They have incredibly. So, I mean, like, there's two companies, right? So these these are the two systems, and they both have. I think big tech is coming down on Dave again. Um, what we'll do, distribute us. I'm so sorry. We might have to just kind of wait, you know, kind of weather the storm. Amazing stuff. Yeah, the real big tech is ISPs. 
uh, luckily they're well. We've <laughs> Dave, 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 you can't hear us. The worst roboting I've ever heard. That's, that was intense. Are you still there, Dave? Interesting. Dave. Oh, we lost Dave. Okay, don't worry. He'll be back, folks. Go ahead, whoever was about to jump in. Uh, sure. Well, and this is the thing, right? Is by saying, oh, just go to another platform, uh, you are basically being locked out of the mainstream discourse. And, and the entire point we're talking about isn't about the government determining what can be censored, but is the government taking action so that views aren't censored just because of the information content that they have. So I don't want to straw man you. Of so there are, we sh platforms should be allowed to censor certain views even if they're legal, correct? So for example, and this is the exact same argument. Roboting again? No. Well, you're roboting again. I'm. Dave, I'm so sorry. We're not laughing at you, man. It's just that I don't know if you can hear me right now, but your your connection. You probably already noticed yourself. It's not super strong tonight. Can you hear us? Well, okay. What was it? I think that uh, Jangles was gonna say. I think it was about. I guess I'll. I guess I'll ask Andrew. But I'll, but if Dave can hear me, he can answer as well. So, should a platform be able to decide what is objectionable beyond what the government says, beyond legality? So, for example, should every single platform be allowed to host pornography, or should they be uh, decide? you know, platform by platform, whether they will or not host, host adult content. Because adult content is completely legal in the United States. And, 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 you know, so does that mean that a platform is censoring certain forms of speech, censoring certain forms of information if they decide that they do not want to have this co content on this platform? Uh, well, uh, I think that every platform should be allowed to censor the form that content takes but not necessarily the content um so for example showing a couple engaging in sex graphically not everyone has to to allow that but twitter needs to be able to say that you know andrew had i had sex with my wife right that is conveying the same information in a different form that is not obscene and that's the issue is that that type of information needs to be everywhere for us to be a society where we can find truth effectively so can people hear me now i yeah we've got you so so i wanted to add something in with this whole you know go to a different platform type deal or build your own google type thing uh, th this is the same arguments that railroad monopolies used to justify their own monopoly and the inability of the government to regulate it in the early 20th century. The idea was, well, we don't have a monopoly. We just control all the railroads. If you don't want to use a railroad, just, you know, use a, a cart and buggy. I, you know, again, I feel that that's kind of, I, I don't know how serious I'm supposed to actually take this. Again, like, you know, I understand if you're a narco-capitalist and you don't think that there's a right to do this. Uh, I don't understand how 
you, know, you understand I, that there's I really a certain amount of. I don't appreciate the straw manning of going for the ANCAP point all the time. Um, partially because, unlike when we're talking about railways, there are legitimate differences uh, with the internet. Primarily, while you might be able to say that Facebook and Twitter have a monopoly over social media, they don't have a monopoly over the internet as a whole. There's always going to be a way to get these pieces of information out. And just because somebody gets kicked off of Facebook or Twitter, they're not necessarily going to be kicked off of the other one. Meanwhile, you have a but you have your, a situation your, where solution was if you get kicked off of Twitter, you've got your website. I mean that that's like that that that's sort of that's very much like saying because the social media is technology. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember Web 1.0. You're saying that we can essentially bar you from using Web 2.0 and the social networks that it contains. So go back to using internet the way it was used in the 90s and hope someone Googles your website or directly checks you for information. Assuming you don't. Is, is that not one second. Go ahead, Jordan. Is that not the same as the system that we currently have with these giant monolithic platforms? I mean, it's not like anybody's necessarily, you know, going to be able to find your YouTube page unless it randomly shows up either A, and recommended the same way that it would with retweets or anything else, or B, by actually searching you out. I don't see how Web 2.0 and Web 1.0 are necessarily all that different. It's just different mediums of accessing the same information, one of which is owned by a private company. I understand why this makes sense for you to argue because you want to win this debate. I don't think you believe that. You can just look, if you take a, an article and just post it to a website and, and prevent anyone from sharing it on Facebook and Twitter, that article will get almost no uh, views. But if you take that same article and post it on Twitter and Facebook and allow people to share it through networks and allow it to go viral, you'll have like a three order of magnitude difference. You, you must know that this is the case. This can be demonstrated scientifically. Okay, now let's say that that article is, uh, I forgot his name. Who was the, it was, he was a meme a while back, but it turns out not to be a meme. It's advocating uh, a certain form of um, sexual abuse. So let's say that this is an article making arguments in favor of a certain form of sexual abuse. Do you think a platform the, 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 should the, not be allowed, should not be allowed to prevent the spread of that article? Because it is I, information. I, I think that the the advocacy of things that are illegal is already something that things have that that people have the 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 ability to regulate. That's not under contention in any of the examples we gave. Wait a second. Furthermore, it's not like, just so if something if something I, I, wait, is, are you tactically I, I missing the that. point? No, I have to. No, James, I, I, are you tactically no. missing the point here? No, I, wait. No, I want to stick on this point for a second. So wait, I might be misinterpreting you, but. So someone I, I is not allowed you're... to. So someone is not allowed to advocate for something to be legal. We're making this very broad here. I'm not endorsing this this uh, this thing. This but someone thing should not be allowed to be able to advocate for something to be legal that is not already legal. What? No, 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 no. You're saying using a platform. I mean, you're saying using a platform to advocate for a crime. That's already. Oh no, no uh, advocating that a crime should not be a crime. Okay, sure. What about so, so this would not be covered under legality. So of course it's legal to advocate for something okay, that but, is a crime to not be a crime. What I'm asking to, is, do you think that a platform to... should not be able to prevent the spread of uh, this certain article? I, I don't just... think. I, I think. I think if that if that if the conversation about how we make the laws comes down on social media, and they disallow that, they're acting as publishers. If that's going to be regulated, it's got to be regulated through something that's other than a private company. These. 
otherwise you're just going to tell these companies that they can completely decide the fr the the frame of our debate. Jingles, <laughs> I, I know you can see this. That's the problem. Is I feel you do see this, and that's my sense. Yes. I know I've, I've I, my bad internet's caused me to miss part of this debate. But my frustration here is I feel that our opponents understand the problem that we're pointing to, that these companies do have monopoly power, that social media is different than web 1.0, and having a website is not a replacement for that, that social media's force is controlled by three or four companies, and that if they control the framework for controversies on their platforms, they can essentially gate I... the entire conversation of our politics. Those are such simple points. Can we acknowledge that you see that problem? I, I okay, um, I'm gonna step in here. I completely understand that problem. And, and I would say the same is likely true for Justin. Um, here's, here's where I'm really gonna come down against you. And had we not been going around in circles this entire time, this really would have been what I would have liked to get at. All right, I don't, I do see the problem and I do, I don't even like how Twitter and Facebook run their platforms, okay? Like I, I fundamentally think that this does a disservice to the discourse, okay? But I don't think that the best way to go about attacking this is merely through enforcing laws that could potentially harm the way that the internet functions right now because we're talking about should we stop censorship? But the question is what happens when those things actually get put into place, right? Okay, so let me ask like, a follow-up okay. question. What's the best wait, way wait, to wait, wait, wait. The problem. Hold on, I got, I got more. All right, so I, I do understand the problem, and I understand that these companies primarily have the the plate here. But the problem is that these companies are also so big and make so much money at this point that if you put more regulations in place, they're going to be the only ones with the apparatuses to be able to put all of that together. So they'd be able to ban content, which is primarily illegal while also keeping on content that may be controversial. And they'd have to hire people to make that distinction. What I'd like to see, and what I think Justin might also like to see, is rather than just saying, hey, let's just regulate away the company's right to free speech, why don't we talk about the idea of breaking up the monopolies in the first place and subvert the problem while also keeping what's good about the internet in its current state? Okay, so would you embrace the regulation that Andrew proposed at the beginning of this conversation before we supposedly went around in circles to I... mandate? Hold, did you even know what I'm going to say? In order to mandate an open protocol, I don't. Do you support that believe... regulation? I don't support the idea of uh, necessarily regulating open protocol. Um, I, I do understand the importance so, of TOS. I don't think it should be government enforced. So, so Jordan, you don't believe that we should force uh, social media companies to allow anyone to connect to their network? Fundamentally. You don't, you don't, you don't believe that we should make uh, social networks behave like email, where you can but, use Yahoo or Gmail and talk to everyone else through email? You don't I believe that. that's so, how they that's already less... fundamentally work until you break the rules. I mean, email is already kind of a publisher, isn't it? I have a they, they, they don't work like email because email uses services like Pop that are open protocols. Facebook's and Twitter's protocols are IAP, which means that a they, they they can't be connected to by any service. It's not like Mastodon. Are you? I'm I'm curious. Do you think that it should be like uh, the same sort of regulation should be uh, applied to like emails and like a uh, like a cell phone providers? Uh, they filter. They automatically filter things that they consider spam. So they determine what I uh, should see. Uh, are you against that as well? Now, email. Your this is the clarification. The protocol does not filter that. What filters that is your spam filter, 
which you can turn on and off, by the way, right? That goes through something like Gmail. Now, yeah. that which is owned by Google. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about requiring them to make their protocols public, like Popmail, which is sort of the protocol that runs behind most of your 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 Gmail email services, which which allows you to sort of which would allow you to connect to social media the same way you connect to email. Yeah, so I don't think so that fundamentally works because the primary reason why people gravitate towards social media platforms is fundamentally for the different experiences that each of them provides. And part of that is actually controlled by the company and the way that the company sets these things up. Part of these are protocol related, part of these are API related, part of these are UX related. And as somebody who understands programming well enough to know the difference between these things, I don't think that the necessary solution is make it all work like email. I don't even think we already have examples of social media that use these kind of things, like Mastodon. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, I, I, you're te you're telling some, us something is impossible, and we already have an example of it existing. Look, I it, here's the thing: is if you like Mastodon, and here's the thing, Twitter's talked about this too: is they want to release a version of the Twitter site that would potentially be completely unregulated as well. I think these things are good things. I also don't think that we should force people to behave in this necessary way, and I don't understand why you're so intent on doing so. And so, what behaviors do you think we're forcing people to do? Fundamentally, I think that your beliefs here um, primarily are going to control companies into platforming and deplatforming certain types of speech that fundamentally would be more arbitrary than it is now because here's uh, the thing is you're Jordan, allowing the, I, I, we, we listed the regulation and that wasn't it well yeah but the other regulation that we were talking about was the idea of tos it and, seems to be you want to put the government in charge of what is and is not biased moderation Am I yeah. unfairly characterizing your argument? We are putting Thank the you. government in charge. We're putting the government in, well, first of all, there's one regulation we proposed that does not require that, the Andrew listed. There's another There's another regulation on the table. And again, either of those would count in my book as proper regulation. The first regulation was publicizing the protocol, which we know works despite Jordan saying he, he, it doesn't, which we know it does, right? And this, the, the second regulation was requiring that the TOS be very specific when it came to moderating informational content in the way that Andrew defined it. Those are the two things. No, none, nothing would require anything to be done by these social media sites. It would require them not to do certain things or when they took certain actions, make sure that they adhere to a formalized system of rules that was overseen by the government. The same way, for instance, the government regulates corporations when it comes to racial bias, which has been doing for what, again, 50, 60 years now? Or even finances. I yeah, mean, exactly. Like, uh, again, we, have to, we have to pretend like the government's never regulated everything, anything ever, right? Like this is, you know, the 19th century or something. Government has been having oversight for corporate bias for 50 or 60 years when it's come to racial bias in hiring decisions. So something that we very clearly discussed when we uh, talked about this is, of course, we're not saying that uh, social media companies should be able to like kick out white people or kick out black people. We very clearly said that if it violated a non-discrimination law or, or if a social media company was like violating any law by kicking somebody off the platform, of course, this is not what we were talking about. We were talking about okay. should the government be able to decide what is and is not biased moderation? So so, you can, so 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 the social media companies can be regulated. We just draw the line in different places. Is what you're we saying? We very clearly agreed on that being the topic of the discussion. No, no, I, 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 slow down, Jangle, slow down. 
because a few minutes ago we were on the thing that we couldn't possibly regulate at all. So now you're telling me that we could we could prevent Google from or Twitter from kicking off all the Muslims on its site. But you know, 20 minutes ago you said we could we Twitter could kick off all the communists or progressives. So Dave, do, uh, can I? Well, you well, go take take it, Andrew. Take it. Okay. So so Jangles, what Dave is talking about is. Uh, companies have to keep records of their hiring process in an audible format so that they can prove to the government uh, with a lawsuit or, or an audit that they are following an unbiased process. So they would have to follow a similar process for moderation where they would have like an audit book of what occurred and what evidence they used for moderation in case it came to court or they got audited. And that's the analogy Dave is trying to make. Thank you very much, Andrew. I don't understand the analogy, I guess, because we're not talking about really? whether or not a, we're not we're not talking about whether Twitter can hire certain people for a hiring process. And we're not talking about we very clearly agree that Twitter okay, can well, take well, I'm, not not I'm, not I'm not done. I'm not done. Hey, man, you 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 got mad when we go. You. So we're not talking about whether or not Twitter should be able to kick off certain identities or protected classes of people. We're not talking about whether Twitter should be able to do anything illegal. We're talking about things that are extra legal, things are, that are beyond that, which is yep, what ideas, right. what information should be able to be disseminated on this platform. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the same way that when you hire someone at Twitter, you have to have an audible thing that to prove that you're not being racially biased, you would have to have an audible thing when you moderate things on Twitter to prove that you're not being ideologically biased or, or you're only biasing it on. How would you determine you that somebody is or isn't biased. ideologically biased? The same way you determine whether they're racially biased. We should be ideologically bi biased. I don't like terrorism. Is that ideologically biased? Of course it is. One of the biggest like proponent- like, We've already dealt with this under illegal actions, Jangles. Hold on. No, hold on. What we're talking about, we have two different like- Yeah, but terrorists- attacking, We have two different uh, camps attacking Section 230. One of them is requiring like more censorship. Like for example, I, I don't think it's uh, controversial to say that like terrorists uh, definitely use social media sites to recruit. I don't think it's uh, dishonest to say that misinformation has affected elections, both in the United States and abroad. And a lot of people are saying that Twitter and Facebook and other social media sites should crack down more on that disinformation. And so like they want more censorship of these ideas. And yes, that requires them to be ideologically biased because this notion of unbiased moderation is a fool's errand every every decision is, is to some extent subjective so it's obviously going to be biased so uh, how did okay maybe i don't want to strawman anybody how would you reconcile this push to like stop the spread of extremist content that might very well result in real world terrorism with your notion that we should be ideologically neutral in our in our moderation Okay, so uh, the first uh, fence around it is illegal action, right? That advocating illegal action, including acts of terrorism, are is forbidden, right? That that doesn't get into this, right? It doesn't matter if you're an eco terrorist or an Islamist terrorist or or a communist terrorist or what have you. Advocating for illegal acts is off is can be eliminated through moderation, right? Yeah, but that would be easy to handle through the court law because we've already had that regulation for other things. Yeah, and so then the, the question comes in, uh, are you being even-handed on 
Well, the real question is, is social media being conducive to having the type of dialectic we need to sense make in the world, right? And that includes being able to come to different perspectives and analyze them, to, to get all the information necessary to be an effective electorate, and so on and so forth. And that's, that's where the issue is, is that we're not dealing with ideological enemies outside the system. It's about our opponents in the system, right? That in some really strong sense, you, me, Dave, and Jordan have all agreed to the basic ground rules of politics in America, right? Where things like speech and uh, elections and um, citizen action committees are the mechanisms through which we negotiate politics. And the issue is, is the importance of social media is we need to have a way to have those conversations for the political process. And if, if they don't do that, they will be doing the hidden agendas of whatever the people at those media companies do, just like the hidden agendas of the, the railroad companies a century ago and so on and so forth. Can I ask a question? Jangles, do you think that, since you said that Twitter can get rid of all communists or all progressives, could Twitter five days before an election ban all the Republicans and just silence them, both Twitter and Facebook? Could, could that be, that would be fine? I mean, it wouldn't be illegal. I don't think but, it would but no, 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 no. Would, would you think if it did that, do you think the government should take action or we should investigate ways to say they couldn't do that? Uh, if it was that extreme, maybe. Okay, so you, so in, in principle, you understand, I understand where we're coming your frustration. from. I really, really do. We, where we, I don't, what I don't like is that I don't want the government to be deciding what can and can't be discussed. If, if, so hold on, let me go back to it. Let me go back to it. Let me go back to it. I also have another example that I wanted to go for. So for example, we said that like, yeah, you shouldn't be able to advocate in any sort of illegal activity. But how about when we crack down on extremist content, extremists and terrorists aren't stupid. They know how to get around TOS. And so we are required to like uh, like platforms and uh social media companies are required to like go around like yeah you're not overtly saying a thing but you're heavily implying it so for example the uh i'm sorry james the white genocide conspiracy theory was heavily promoted on youtube but heavily promoted on twitter and heavily promoted on facebook and an inarguably uh heavily contributed to a terrorist attack that killed something like 50 people and so yeah they didn't do anything illegal and actually and i'm such a free speech extremist that i don't think that that should be illegal to discuss but I think it's completely responsible for a social media company to take an extra step to stop the spread of that conspiracy theory in order to uh, you know, prevent real world harm. But you can call, but the, so you're saying that the social media companies are allowed to control ideology because extreme ideologies might influence terrorists or, or I mean, could, could, this, that's that's I extremely think, reductive, I and I don't whole, think you believe that. Look, I think there's a whole. I know. I, I, of course, of I don't believe that. Of course, I don't believe that. I'm asking. That seems I'm thinking, to be what I you're don't advocating you, for, Jingles. I mean, this this example. Look, you're 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 telling me that the government that the government can't regulate. But in that extreme example I gave you, no, I didn't. No, could. come on, no, take that back. I'm not saying the I think, can't I think there's a whole other side of this that we're not really. Well, I don't even know what you guys are saying personally. It seems like you're taking back. Well, your, if you'd let me statements. finish, I'd get there. I, I was talking to Jangles here, but okay, Jordan, do you want to add something to that? 
Look, I yes, I think there's a whole other side of this that you guys aren't even willing to consider, especially when it comes to extremist content, which is the fact that whether or not these things are or aren't illegal to say and whether or not um, these are things that we believe are good for society. The biggest problem is that if Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all of these other social media platforms allow people to post terrorist content, allow people to post things that are outright calling for genocide and calling for all of these other horrendous actions, people are going to attach that to their brands. So there's a whole other side of this problem, which is why they have the TOS in place that they do in the first place. Whether or not speech is illegal, these companies also have to realize that they actually have to be profitable, they have to be viable, and they have to be able to make money off of what they're selling it's not so profitable for the government any- already regulates direct advocation of terrorism so that's off the table right the the problem comes down to when when these companies basically put themselves okay how about i use as, a less extreme example for then. extremist content content or truth because like i said the this the the mainstream media for two years was on this russian inclusion thing which had which was a conspiracy theory that had zero evidence for it, and social media did not crack down. Wait, didn't it have like a ton of convictions? What? What the, so the Trump collusion that came back with no collusion found? That, no, but that there was entire, like, yeah, but there was arguably a, like a, a, a Russian influence. The 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 allegations were that Trump directly colluded with Russia. And then the story continued with lots and lots of people going – well, they would have gone to jail if Trump hadn't just pardoned them this week. But lots of people going to jail for either A, colluding with Russia, or B, committing other things that were forms of election campaign fraud. But that's not the stories that people like Rachel Maddow were putting forward. They put forward that Trump directly colluded with Russia. Okay, I'm not getting a response here. The point is, guys, is that you're this is this is kind of the game we're playing here, right? So so let's say that you know some conspiracy theories come out, right? These conspiracy theories usually have a strong and a weak form to them, right? The strong the strong form has some truth. Is, the strong form is just completely nuts. And, and the weaker form has, you know, some kind of things that are like that. Maybe somebody had uh, in 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 prom, uh, in 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 politic communication with Russia, right? Now, now, if you regulate this, if you hand Facebook and Twitter the keys to regulate all the designation of whether something is a conspiracy or not, uh, you'll have you know some things being labeled as conspiracies and getting legitimate facts just removed from the discourse. In the case with the Hunter Biden emails. Yeah, in the I case really, of Hunter Biden emails, they legitimately censored for two weeks before an election. Factual information, factual the information York, about the illegal activity. The New York activity. Post is responsible for that lasting for two weeks. Twitter admitted they made a mistake and took it down within twenty-four hours. There, the the New York Post is claiming that their account was suspended for two weeks. Yeah, they were told all you got to do to get your account back is all right, delete the tweet. You can repost it again. We don't have a policy in place that allows us to just kind of retroactively undo this, but we can get you back on the platform if you that's, just. I think that's bullshit, to be quite honest. And uh, well, and they I, fixed I think it since. Hold on, I, I got to go back on this. <laughs> like, so you seem to be saying that since some conspiracy theorists 
theories can be nuanced and have grains of truth to them. That means we can't touch or regulate conspiracies whatsoever. I don't, I don't like it that social media companies, should... I don't like it that corporations get to dictate what is and is not a conspiracy. I don't like it that Twitter and Facebook get to be the arbiters of what is and is not uh, conspiracy theories. That's not really what we're discussing. Me and Jordan, like, we don't love Twitter. We're not big, twi- uh, like, uh, he's like, we're not going to bat for their, like, altruism or, or their, like, okay. uh, what, what's the word? Uh, their, uh, you know, Hold on, my, my words escape me. What you we're saying is that you're, you're putting them forward as the arbiters of truth. I don't. I'm saying no. I don't like that they're the arbiters. Okay, so of then, truth, but I like is. the fact that, but I like that government would decide what is and is not a conspiracy theory. So even if it's, less. If it's, so then, who does Jangles? Who does? Who does? Well, I guess we. Who do. does? It's not government. And okay. it's not the corporations. So do you think that a, a corporation should not a, a corporation like Twitter should not be able to uh, tackle conspiracy theories? at all whatsoever i so they have they are going to be completely toothless when it comes to fighting uh, extremism the reason why we go in circles is we very explicitly stated the regulations that we're seeking multiple times and then every time we get to this point where i ask how you want to regulate it you pitch back to me some 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 potential regulation that's not what andrew or i were talking about we mentioned two specific regulations and both of them had specific things that would be regulated when it came to the speech that could be included in the terms of service and couldn't be. And then there was even failing that, there was a more middle ground position, which has been rejected also by you guys, that we could just regulate requiring open protocols. Both of those propositions have been rejected by you guys, if it's not my mistake. Yeah. So, so, so let's not go in circles. Let's stick. Our position is that. So you don't need to ask me what I believe should the regulation should be since we've made that amply clear. I'm asking you what the, you think the regulation should be. Now, now that we've spent much time discussing the two regulations we want, what is the regulation you want, Jangles? That wasn't the debate we came up here to and signed up for. <sighs> But you the, proposed the, a couple the, the, of policies. This, this is tactical, guys. This this is sort of we're getting no. To the this heart you're of... the one being tactical. Let's talk about that for a jo- second. Jordan, okay, Jordan, you Jordan. came in. No, 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 no. This this is this is the, the the point is we're trying to get to what you guys actually believe. Jangle said that he he believed in some kind of uh, of of way that it wouldn't be that Twitter wouldn't have ultimate control over what we debated in the public square. Yeah, that's and called it, legality. Which that's is very, the government, very simple, right? Which is the, yeah, which is the government, which is legality. But that is the baseline of what they should be allowed to do. I don't think that any social media platform should be uh, allow illegal activities on the platform. That's the baseline. What I'm advocating that, for is that's that I not, think that no side has debated that. I know, but what you're saying is that there should not be that uh, social media companies should be regulated in what they're able to do on top of something. Yes. So, Otherwise, they control the frame of the debate in ways we've already demonstrated. So you said that they could. You said, for instance, in my example, the you said either way. You okay? So, so in the event that 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 the ridiculous thing that I said happened, and there was a mass banning of Democrats ahead of the election, which you said would be a major problem, the government could not step, should not step in to regulate that abuse. Uh, it would be really, really, really bad. But to give you another like hypothetical that is just as outlandish, what if like the only things that were being shared on social media were complete, utter false uh, like completely false claims of like i don't know election fraud or something 
and they, and social media companies couldn't fight it whatsoever because you know truth has to be determined by society by the individual and so they're not able to like push back at whatsoever against a mass lie that could potentially be incredibly dangerous for society as a whole well so that's what i don't like so, so jangles, jangles this is the issue right is if a lie is so powerful that it's going to screw us like that there's nothing we can do about it right because the the creator of that lie could be the social media companies it could be and i really i don't like it that they have that much power i just yeah, like sure. less the fact that the, you want the government to have that power uh, so like, so somebody so, look somebody's got to hold the stick at least when twitter and facebook i'm going to request something from from you please restate the regulations that that me and dave have been advocating so the first one was open protocol, and the yep. second one was talking about um, enforcing uh, TOS to be more open. Uh, be a lot more concrete with that one, if you can. I can't. I can't remember what the exact wording was. What I wrote oh. down was requiring TOS moderation, uh, moderating informal content or informational oh. content. Okay. Okay, that's okay. Okay, so so part of this is that this hasn't been communicated. Right, so I think, and Dave, uh, please correct me if, if you disagree, mm -hmm. that, that we want for regulation of speech on things like Twitter or Facebook or social media, clear articulation of what like obscene speech is and what slurs yes. are, but not like forbidden topics, right? So, so I can talk about, what the effects of violence on politics is, as long as I don't advocate for killing all the redheads, right? Or I can give an elaborate story about how the redheads are Neanderthals, and that's why they're, uh, you know, superior to other all other types of women, and and uh, you know we should get government. Uh, okay, do you see how this girlfriends? Do you see right? how this makes fighting extremism almost impossible? How so? Because, okay, well, I'm not saying that we should cause harm to anybody. What I am saying is, isn't it weird how this one ethnic group is replacing everybody in our society that looks like us? Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird how all these people are just like, it's almost like they're being funded by some sort of like satanic cabal. Isn't is, that weird? Do you see how that's so easy to circumvent? This is You want that speech to be banned by the corporation? I think you that, just said like just I think that the I think a corporation should be out. allowed to take extra legal steps like, beyond what is legal. I don't want that content to be illegal. I don't want someone to be locked up in a but, jail by the government for engaging in that uh, but, but speech. You did, but I think did that it would be incredibly insinuate. responsible. I think that it would be incredibly responsible for a social media company or a platform to crack down on things like that because it's been demonstrably linked to increases in terrorism. It's not at all that we we would necessarily agree with, or at least I would agree with that decision. But fundamentally speaking, I believe that they do have a right to make that decision, and I think that's where we keep getting caught up on this entire thing. Okay, we, I thought we said that they, I mean, so this is basically the free market. I feel like we're getting two different arguments here. Jordan, it feels like you're making more of a free market argument like they have some kind of right against being regulated whatsoever. That's sort it's of inviolable. Right of, it's not a right uh, against And then Jake was making a practical argument about like something like it, it, the corporation has a moral responsibility to defend against extremism. Look, so it's the not problem about, is Jangles. 
it's not about whether or not they have a right to be regulated whatsoever. We already regulate these companies. I think the steps that you are willing to go to regulate these companies signal a decline in what our actual social conversation would be because of who you're giving that power to and who suddenly gets to decide what can and can't be discussed and what falls within those purviews, even if we're talking about what's supposed to be a TOS censorship. Jordan, that one, doesn't one seem second. to reflect we'll what do, Andrew said. I'll give you a chance said. to respond, D Dave. Uh, what I want to do is just quick, Jordan will give you a chance to finish that thought, but I also want to let you know if you have a, a short, pithy finish to what you're saying, Jordan, and then we'll give you a chance to respond, Dave, and then pretty quick, we got to go into the Q&A. We've got a good amount of questions. Look, even if we're talking about creating what should be a neutrally enforceable TOS law, there are two fundamental issues. First off, nothing is neutral, especially when we're dealing with the government. Whoever gets in charge is the person who has all of the power in that situation, and the rules could suddenly change tomorrow as to what that law is actually talking about. Opening the door makes the problem fundamentally worse later down the line. And the other thing is that while I don't agree with how these sites run their platforms, how I don't I, I don't think that Twitter, as it's currently set up, is actually providing any kind of a public good. But part of that, part of it for them is being profitable. Part of it for us as consumers is understanding that some of the decisions that these companies are going to make, we're not going to agree with. We can fundamentally choose to fund people who are competing with these companies. It's not because I don't believe, I believe that they should have complete access to free market zero regulation. It's because fundamentally, I understand the fact that allowing these types of speech on your platform is in and of itself saying something. And I think that's important to realize that these companies have to take that into account simply to be able to make money. It's not our responsibility to ensure Twitter and Facebook make money. It's our responsibility to make sure that if they don't make money, corporations they aren't becoming the implicit arbiters of our political conversation because they have a monopoly share in a natural monopoly market. Uh, just underline that if Twitter isn't providing a public good, it should be burnt to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. I mean, like, who cares whether Twitter or Facebook make a profit? I don't care. I don't even think that they should really exist. I mean, how about this, guys? Can we all agree on breaking up these monopolies? Is that something we'd agree on? I'd agree on that. Jangles? I'd have to do more research on it. Okay, I so I mean, the strange thing is that regulation to me it, it would be a less intrusive way of just breaking these guys up. Uh, you know, open protocol seems to be a less intrusive way of doing that. My sense is that if we break them up, there'll be a natural re-monopolization in about a decade. And this is, That's this is where I, I, I wish I could have dragged things, but like honestly, where, where the debate got stuck didn't really allow me to go there. The fundamental issue that I have with a lot of these regulations is while they're going to work at you know keeping the big boys in check now, what happens when somebody does actually do something which radically changes this monopoly up and we're no longer in a natural monopoly situation anymore or the person in charge of that monopoly changes. Okay, the, problem I mean. is that, the problem is that I understand how these things help with, with the speech issue completely my bigger concern is that i actually and there's a lot of evidence to this fact if you look up any major publication talking about the effects of section 230 and repealing that which is one of the only major bills dealing with this topic right now the biggest thing that everybody cites especially people like the eff is that these are actually going to be anti-competitive in the long run uh the eff doesn't care about competition it cares about consumer rights 
Do you believe monopolies are good for consumer rights? Sometimes. Utility, uh, uh, monopoly utilities that are well regulated by governments tend to do very well for citizen rights or consumer you rights. Can, you can say that the EFF primarily cares about consumer rights, but I could, I could literally, and like I, I to, to a degree, I do think you're fundamentally right most of the time, but especially on their coverage on Section 230, they fundamentally pointed out the issues for the internet as a whole. It actually causes more of a public damage to be messing with these types of regulations in the long run, because as I, as I said. For before but we never really had a chance to get to the biggest thing we run into is that large companies with a lot of money like twitter and facebook have a better ability to put together a legal team that can find a way to comply with these laws smaller people who would be able to push them out or even just provide alternatives aren't going to be in that position once we start putting these regulations into place we are going to go into the Q&A. Forgive me, gentlemen. I know that you've got you've got another round in the barrel, but I am really excited to read these questions. Also want to say thanks so much, folks, for your contributions to the Kickstarter. You can see the progress as the meter has gone up during the stream to where we're at about 80%, which we started at the stream at 70%. I'm stoked, you guys. This is going to be epic. And I want to let you know one thing about this is that including the you know the speakers that we have on right now i love to travel my hope is that modern day debate we get to do more on tour type of events and that would mean basically when we use the funding to do things for more like in-person debates things like that as well as new speakers like dr michael Shermer, things like that is that hopefully you know these might be the kind of guys that you get to see in person someday if we happen to find a convenient city that we can kind of arrange for a debate as we do want to take 2021 as a huge opportunity to have more new opponents as well as new formats such as in-person debates and so do want to say thanks so much as we're testing out this new kickstarter strategy in order to kind of see what kinds of new things we can do so we do have some questions we're going to start with our dearest and loyal friend samuel lillaholm says question for both if the U.S. is like a home with rules set up, what is the best system for a family? It seems not letting others silence others would be good to me. Yeah, as long as they're not, you know, cursing at each other or things like that. I think that having a house rule of you don't silence others while they're making a point is a good one. I yeah. would add to that. I would add to that by saying... Well, we're at, well, I can't speak for Andrew, but what I want more than anything else are consistently applied sets of rules that these companies have to own up to, or perhaps the government can own. Uh, and, and this would broadly reflect the best, the best practices for parenting, which is that if you have rules, they have to be clearly enunciated and clearly enforced. That's what I feel is not going on in the social media monopolies in 2020. And that's what I feel we have to reestablish. And I'd, I'd really like to engage in the discussion with how we reestablish it and not just, you know, not just to defer to the, the tactical statement that we're the negative side, we don't have to have an idea of actually how to deal with this problem. Gotcha. We... I'm just wondering how clearly established rules is going to be better with the government because the government's great at clearly establishing rules, correct? There's no inconsistencies there for how laws are applied. There's no subjectivity there, but now they have guns. I just don't know how, how that's an improvement on things. So this is the this is this is literally the anarcho-capitalist thing that like laws are the same thing as 
private statements that are that are modulated. Supposedly, the government has consistency with laws because it has to enforce through a legal system, which has, like I said, tracking and oversight, which these corporations don't have. The closest we get to a perfectly wise system is a court of law. Um, it's an, it's not perfect, but that's the closest humans can get. Well, the reason why it is is because the court of law has we've built in over the course of 400 years of adjudicating things. We've we... built in oversight mechanisms to deal with this and to make sure that we have clearly understood consequences for people who perjure themselves, for people who try to supplant the court or try to bias it. And we've become as good as we can adjudicating things fairly in court. If we move what goes on into the court into a corporate boardroom, you're not going to find a fairer system there. And again, I, I understand that the, the anarcho-capitalist argument is that like it's all the same, but I don't know. Say anarcho-capitalist. I, I guess you should argue against one of those next time. We are going to jump into the next question. This one comes in from, you guessed it, appreciate your question, from Apostate X, who says, you can say anything... People can say anything they want on their own website. What you are demanding is access to an audience. We're, demand, we're demanding, I mean, this is, again, like this is what we're demanding is we're demanding that monopolies submit to regulations by the government to make sure that they're fair. But oh, it's social, it's, why? It's a, it, Fundamentally, okay, no, 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 no. Don't, don't try and worm out of this. The, the main thing here is... Well, no, you, you're trying to worm out of the question. The main thing is, I understand that's what you're asking for, but the bigger question is why? What is it you hope to gain by forcing these companies to behave in that manner? It's like saying that, you know, in order, when regulating the railroad industry, what we want is access to trains, I guess, technically. The audience, the thing that they've monopolized is audience. That's what the monopoly is. The monopoly well, is the like network. saying that you want access to Houston. Well, I've already said it. We want a public discussion conducive to the finding of truth. Yes. What if someone is interrupting that discussion with speech that may not be illegal, but is going to disrupt the public conversation? But it's uh, not, the, what we're saying is that it's not the corporation's job to decide that. That's a denial of service attack. We do, let's see. I think that we will give the last word to uh, the team at which the Super Chat was uh, attempting to challenge. So we'll jump into the next one. This front, this one from Dearest Friend, Brenton Langle, you guessed it, says, Collusion is not a legal term. Trump was under investigation for obstruction of justice. He only avoided prosecution because POTUS is above the law. Collusion was clearly discussed in the Mueller report. What we were not interested in, in is the legal niceties of whether it was collusion or obstruction of justice. The only thing I was interested in was simply the statement of fact. The media alleged collusion for two years and the Mueller report did not find any on Trump's behalf. So gotcha. directly speaking, there was a factual misreporting there. Now, again, my case was, and I don't have any emotions towards Trump, as I made it clear in my previous debate with Brenton, I don't even vote. So I don't care about Trump or Biden or whatever this stuff is, although I do have political opinions on the side. The, the only thing was, is that 
we see a clear distinction between the possible factual inaccuracies of the New York Post article, which turned out to be factual as far as we can tell now, and the factual inaccuracies of someone like Rachel Maddow, which apparently were not factual. Next up, I want to say thanks so much for your super chat. This one comes in from Silver Harlow. It says, Jangles, you agreed that they could be, or I'm sorry, not it's not for Jangles. This is for Jordan. They said, Jordan, you agreed that they could be monopolized monopoly regulated wouldn't opening their protocols be just that i'm not i'm not entirely sure that i understand the question um here i'm trying to i'm trying to find it in the uh in the chat so that i can i can take a agree that they could be monopoly regulated gotcha i can um i so so i i don't fundamentally think so um because I I I fundamentally don't understand what opening the the physical protocols would actually change about the way that these platforms behave other than essentially making it less likely that anybody could be kicked off period whether or not somebody had a good or a bad reason now it would all come down to implementation and maybe I'm misunderstanding here I um I do know a half decent amount about uh technology especially on that side of things but um i i don't fundamentally understand how this works and i don't also understand how from a business side of things this would allow these companies to to properly function in the first place because the primary the the primary issue i'm running into here is if everything behaves like email all of a sudden instead of having unique and distinctive platforms like for instance things like reddit or tumblr or Facebook or Twitter, we suddenly have everything that's basically the difference between, you know, Gmail and Hotmail. Yeah, which... companies would sell interfaces, not platforms or networks. Gotcha. I, I don't fundamentally know, and, and this is less of a political question, but more of a technical question as to how likely that is to be workable. Next up, see, I do want to jump. I, I hate early. to do this. Just because we do have so many questions, I, okay. I do want to try to jump to the next one. Samuel Lillaham has another. He says, "Should we give no govern? Er, <clears throat> sorry, should we have no government interference on business businesses or government interference? If we're going full non-government interference, which I uh, might agree with, that includes letting racists be so." I think that's the jangles. Yeah. Where did this notion that we're against all government regulations, like that we have government regulations, they're called laws. What I'm arguing that is that I think racists should not be locked up by the government. I'm, th I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a free speech advocate like that. But I think that platforms should have the freedom to uh, target racism on their platforms. That's it. I can clarify that, jangles. The reason why people are making this mistake is you're is one of the arguments you've been making throughout this debate, which is that kick the can down the road argument, which is to say that when a government, when government regulates a bad behavior, it's equivalent to governments taking over the decision-making process from the corporation. And it does not actually solve the problem, but simply transfers a corporate- No, my critique on that is that you're not solving any problem whatsoever. You are just moving the problem to people with guns. I, and that's I, what I've been taking I issue with. I understand that, that but, Jangles. I don't want the government. Jangles, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to help you out here, so you can send the person's question. And that, not to be condescending. That sounded condescending. So I apologize. But but that argument 
that says regulation is simply moving you know, from corporations to government with guns. That's an argument that can be put against any regulation. Well, I, I guess I could just answer the question itself and say that I don't – I want the government to regulate businesses legally. However, I don't want them to be – I want platforms to be able to tackle things beyond legality, beyond government regulations. I don't think that the government regulations should be the end-all, be-all of a platform. I think they should be able to enforce TOS beyond that, and that will require some subjectivity. That does mean that ultimately a platform is responsible for what is and is not on it. But hey, I think that's fine. I don't I, – and there's a lot of problems with that. We're never arguing for – that being like the best thing that could possibly happen i'm saying that the alternative which is putting that decision in the hands of the government is worse gotcha i do want to jump into the next question even though as i mentioned i know you guys have always got another round in the chamber ready to go but this next one comes in from dear president sunday we appreciate your question who said does not some discourse silence people by invalidating the perspectives of their targets e.g speech that that denigrates people along lines of race or sex. Well, it um, it doesn't invalidate their speech, but that, that can be handled by uh, obscenity and vulgarity, right? There's a distinction between making a critique and just an insult. And part of the, the 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 cultural agreement that we have as Americans is we accept um, unflattering opinions and unflattering arguments in exchange for this idea that we're able to find truth through discourse. Yeah, if if we if we muddied the waters between blasphemy or slur and disagreement on on policy matters or disagreement on philosophy, we'll have basically undone a learning that we thought we had achieved in the enlightenment because at that point you know you might as well just nail down the discourse ahead of time like what's what's the allowable thought at that stage thanks so much and next question layman sorry i missed your question said question for all would the world be better off without the existence of social media social media and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race yes um, uh, with the caveat of not including uh, modern instant messaging as social media. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like I like social messaging, and I like I like sort of blogging essays. But Twitter and Facebook have been a cancer. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your. Well, well, does Jangles oh, or Jordan want to answer this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There's a difference between like. Um... Yeah, I think there's a lot of bad that social media does, but if it were up to me, I wouldn't like eat it from the platform because it's not up to me to determine what someone finds value in their lives. So it's it's the difference between saying like, man, I think it would be great if conservatives just shut up forever versus I think that uh, the government should say that conservatives shut up forever. It's, there's a vast difference between those two. Gotcha. Um, I... It's difficult because I'm I'm the youngest one here. I'm 21, and I, I essentially grew up with this around for at least most of my teenage years, if not longer. YouTube came out when I was like six years old, so this is this has just been something that's a, been a part of my reality forever. Uh, I think that a lot of psychological data and studies would definitively prove that we would 
on an objective level be a lot better off without these things and even though i was so young at the time i do look back and wonder what would have happened if if we didn't have to worry about the things that we do now especially with social media and smartphones um so i i would objectively give it a yes but at the same time i'd give it a no because for somebody like me who hasn't been able to afford to go back to school this has been not so much facebook and twitter but another social media platform youtube are going through discord has given me access to people who understand politics and are thinkers and, and can share data and can share information back and forth and give me understanding into new perspectives so it, it's really a, a double-edged sword here the same social media that created Facebook and Twitter also created something like YouTube, which has fundamentally enriched my life for the better. So would we be better off? Yes, but I, I don't think it's all just absolutely negative across the board. And I think it's about how a lot of these sites have been implemented. And I think it's more about trying to fix them rather than get rid of them. Gotcha, thank you very much. And next, this question comes in from I think I read President Sunday. Silver Harlow said, I hope these chats are going to the Shermer Debate Fund. We do have some of our own funds from Modern Day Debate invested in the Kickstarter, but do want to tell you folks, if you want to give to the Kickstarter fund, it's best to do it more directly to Kickstarter because Kickstarter take, I think it's like 8 to 10%. It, Kickstarter has their fees on 8 to 10%, but uh, YouTube, it's, it's 30% uh, that YouTube takes from the Super Chats. And so I would highly encourage you, Kickstarter is more direct. And then Brenton Langle strikes again. Here he is. That's that guy. Says, hate speech is inherently hostile to free speech. If someone does not deserve to live due to identity, it follows that they don't deserve to speak. I mean, no one's been able to give a very consistent definition of hate speech. Is Sarah Zhang guilty of hate speech? Neither Twitter nor the New York Times thought she was. Uh, but but change the races around in that expression and very few people would say that's not hate speech. Direct threats we can deal with because there's a very formal definition. And one of the reasons why it is formal is that it's a legal definition. And once things are in the legal system, over time, we have mechanisms to make them more formal. But when it comes to hate speech, no one, you ask two people what hate speech is, you'll get two different answers. Even people like Brenton who think that it's this category that needs to be built into our laws and corporate regulations. Uh, is Sarah Zhang a hate speaker? You know, apparently, she's not. What's the definition of assault? The definition of assault has a formal legal definition that you can look up in Black's Law Dictionary. What is it? Is you it want clear? off the top of my head? No, I was. I'm, this is a generalized question. You is can it clear? Look is there? That is up. there? I know. You can I'm, literally I'm, look up the definition. It was of a leading question, and I apologize for that. But okay. I'm saying that even the definition of assault, which is formally legalized, still has some wiggle room. Wiggle room. They don't specify like a, a PSI that quantifies assault. Like they don't uh, specify like oh what what is the actual like newtons of force that would quantify assault. It is a little bit up to interpretation. That's why we have judges in the first place. So I. And this is just mm. the free speech. And you think uh, that's as vague as hate speech? Uh, I think it can be. I was saying that there's a hey, there's a, there's a vague spectrum of vagueness here, isn't there? Um, but if you're going to attack, I attack if you're going to attack hate speech as being vague in its definitions, that's a, uh, that could apply very very easily to a lot of legal definitions. So because there's a little judges. wiggle, so because there's an inch of wiggle room around assault, we should allow a mile of wiggle room around hate speech. That's exactly what I said. Good job. 
we do have to jump into the next question. So do appreciate that. This next question comes in from Silver once again. Silver Harlow thinks says to the negative side. Uh, by that they mean the people taking the negation. What was the problem with requiring moderation be recorded and disputable in court instead of being invisible? What's the problem with like if I get banned from Twitter, I can take them to court? A couple of things. Like, I should. I don't think I should have a legal right to be on Twitter. Like I, I think it, I wish we would have brought this up earlier. Like this, if if you cannot physically move from your location, if you uh, unless you get on this train, and that's the, that's the, what the monopoly is. That is far different from if I don't have a Twitter account. That means I don't have a Twitter account. Like I get that uh, social media companies have a very large say in our public discourse, but I also don't think that. I mean, is your life going to be as? I mean, we kind of just agree that social media companies would be better if they were completely burned, or at least uh, my, our opponents did. And so, like, isn't Twitter doing you a favor by banning you? I, I, I don't I agree. Have, for if one I didn't have a zoo, a zoo ban me, I couldn't do my job. Okay, if I don't agree for us, well, well, hey, you can make that argument, which is different than what we're the one we're making here, though. I don't think you can is make it? a cogent legal argument that I should be able to be on Twitter no matter what. Gotcha. Well, we wait. We don't have to make that argument. No one's arguing that. We. I think we'll he was a... only bringing that up because it was in response to the question. But gotcha. Okay, I feel good with that, Jingles. Oh, yes. Cool, cool. Radical. We'll go to the next one then. Amazing stuff. This one comes in from Silver Harlow. Strikes yet again. He's he's throwing thunder and lightning bolts tonight. He says, I think open protocol thing would allow cross-posting from new services or a different UX and transferring followers to reduce network effects. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So... That's the idea. All right, here's where I'm going to chime in on this. Is this is this is one of those things that I'm actually of two minds on because you brought up stuff like Mastodon. I'm not fundamentally opposed to these ideas. Uh, I think that if we could find a way to to make social media work in this way organically, it would be fine. What I don't like is the idea of legislating around that. As a concept, I think the idea of making an open platform making an open protocol with customizable UX um, for people who aren't into computer lingo, it's user experience, which would basically mean like the, the way that Twitter is laid out is uh, UX and all of the stuff that actually runs Twitter is like on the backbone. Those are two completely different components and usually require different teams. If we could, if we could find a way to organically get that to work, the, the, the tech part of my brain says that's freaking cool. The part of me that, that, is a little bit more on the political side though says i don't like the idea of forcing twitter and facebook to have to do that and have to cross pollinate with one another when they're trying to create very different communities and part of that is also part of the terms of service that they allow gotcha oh good okay. i i don't understand jordan why you are okay with breaking up facebook and twitter which would essentially basically virtually end all of their ip but you're really against regulating this one aspect of their IP. I feel like a lot. Of, well, uh, Jordan, I'll let you answer. Um, fundamentally, 
it, it comes down to an issue with monopolistic power of one entity, which is using that power in a negative way versus altering ways that all of these entities get run long term um, that may or may not end up panning out the way that we expect it to. Because once you start codifying things into laws, they get very, very tricky. Perfect example of that, honestly, would be the the only thing that's codified, you know, the decision that these platforms have the ability to regulate their platforms as they see fit, which is Section 230, which has caused a lot of negative externalities, both that conservatives and liberals agree are bad, but for totally different reasons. It's not necessarily that that I don't see the point that you're trying to make nearly as much as I'm always very cautious about saying, well, we should definitely legislate around that because that tends to just cause a lot more problems than it does fix things and not not from a libertarian perspective either it's just especially when we're dealing with speech because the way that speech is perceived is so subjective it tends to cause a lot of problems which get very very messy especially in the court system yeah i think a lot of the uh, the confusion that we're having is we can think something is a good idea that may that should happen uh and that's miles away from i think the government should enforce this idea again it's a it's a world of difference between thing uh between i think racism shouldn't be a thing anymore versus i think the government should decide what is racist and outlaw it there's a world of difference between those two and it almost seems like if we say that something would be a good thing to happen uh it's then we're somehow contradicting ourselves by saying that the government shouldn't force it to happen the government I hate to do this yeah. just because we do have a lot of other questions. Sure. Um, really quick, uh, just me. Sorry, I missed your super chat from earlier. Appreciate it. Said, love the channel, James. Really do appreciate that. So, really I really, nice really appreciate that. Next up, appreciate your super chat. This one comes in from the Duke of Tumwater. Says, question to the negative side Do you believe that business should be allowed to refuse service on religious grounds? I think they mean if the business owner, for example, is religious. Gotcha. Why? Thanks so much. It's legally protected. It's, a, it's identity rather than uh, it's like uh, something that is an innate identity. You could even argue that religion is an innate identity in some ways, uh, which is far different than views. I am honestly going to have to say that I abstain from answering this, not because I don't want to, but because it's something that even years later, after thinking about this and doing five years of debate, I still really don't have a, a definitive answer on, just because I think it is very complex. I I am very, very tempted to go with, no, I don't think you should do that, but I also understand the, the merit of arguments that say that you should. Um, and despite that, I do think it's a fundamentally shitty thing to do. Gotcha. And want to say thanks so much for your question. This one comes in from the Jika man says, can y'all just admit you just want to say the N word on Twitter without getting kicked off? This debate would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> Next. Uh, <laughs> I rarely swear. So yeah, uh, I don't swear. Good for you. Uh, well, that's good. I appreciate that. And uh, hey, let's... for what it's worth, I, I didn't think that was your argument. Okay, I know it was more than once. For whatever it's worth, whatever animosity we have, I, I think part of the reason why Carissa booked you guys is because we were fairly, fairly confident that you weren't going to be doing it for that reason. I yeah. should probably modify that. I should say I try not to swear because I've got a, I've got a young child, so I'm trying to cure myself of that affliction. But I aspire to be like Andrew. That's excellent, and thank you so much. Just double-checking that I've got all the questions. We do have another one 
Let's see. This one is from Just Me asked, "Do you believe governments fulfill the role they were created for, and does that role include censorship or free freedom of speech?" Uh, everything should fulfill the role it's created for. Um, I. I'm a big advocate for the minimally effective government, and I don't think that in a well-functioning society, a government needs to determine what is true and what is false. Gotcha. Yeah, and... I think that's the big thing. No official truth, please. Yeah, Rick, question back again. <laughs> you betcha. That one was from Just Me, who said, "Do you believe governments fulfill the role they were created for, and does?" that role include, namely the role that they are created for, does it include censorship or freedom of speech? Well, whether or not they're fulfilling their role is something that's been debated throughout human history, including people like John Locke and Thomas Hobbes, so I'm not even going to try and touch that with a 10-foot pole without a political science degree. As far as whether or not I believe it fundamentally includes censorship, um, I don't. And there, there are a good number of reasons for that, but I think part of what keeps civil discourse functional is the fact that we have the right to make these decisions and we have the right to speak to one another, even if it's something that we shouldn't say or something that we shouldn't necessarily isn't polite or something that's outright offensive. I believe that there is a place for having the right to say these things. The part that always trips me up, though, is whether or not people hosting that speech have a right to take people off of that. In, in reference to the analogy of the house from the first question of this entire section, we're not, we're not talking about a situation where we're asking really whether or not Twitter has the right to silence anybody else. We're asking whether or not people who, as um, one of our other uh, questioners commented, uh, if somebody were to go into your room grab a megaphone and start screaming the n-word are you allowed to kick them out of your room and i think that's really where this debate needed to be focused in order to really get at the core of the free speech issue but um you know we got a lot done here but sadly that that wasn't really the crux of the argument gotcha and want to say just as a quick because i do appreciate that there's nuances in what groups you guys identify with for simplicity's sake the thumbnails are all they're, uh, you know, for example, liberal versus conservative, even though I know some of you don't uh, identify particularly as either necessarily. Bricks says, in promotional images for this debate, there was text using conservative versus liberal. Does this accurately describe your pol their political identification? So this will give you guys a chance to explain what exactly, what strange creature you actually are if you're not the uh, standard liberal or conservative. I don't need a label, man. Could try to force your labels on me. I would say I would describe myself as like generally left, and maybe you know, hey, if if you can identify, you go right ahead. Thank you. I'm certainly not a conservative. I'm the conservative movement is one of my main targets, and I I probably will be considered on the right, but I, I kind of reject the label conservative explicitly. Gotcha. Yeah, so um, I'm also right-wing. I'm not what would be considered a mainstream conservative. I believe that traditions and culture has a lot to teach us, but there are a lot of things that actually need to be restored from the past and brought to life again. Uh, 
um, and appropriately adapted to our own context. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would call myself a Tory and a restorationist, uh, occasionally a reactionary. Gotcha. Thank you very much. I want to say thank you so much to our guests. Thank you all for being on today. It was a pleasure to have all four of you. All of them are linked in the description, folks. I'm going to be right back in just a few moments with a post-credits scene. So do stick around, folks, as you won't regret it, as we have some epic updates we're really excited about. And so want to say, though, thank you all four of you. It's been a true pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you very Thanks, much. Guys. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, guys. All righty. As mentioned, we'll be right back, folks, with that post credit scene, so stick tight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.